Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Attack Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam the Sam Moses. What's up, man? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, what is up indeed. On today's episode, we are going to be going down a rather awkward road. Oh, my. Um, A road that can make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, gosh. But we're going to help work through a lot of weird things that can happen in, around, through, and by money. Woohoo! Um, it's a really weird topic. I hope to have um, some more, let's see, some like financial professionals on later episodes that can really... Uh, unpack a lot of what we're going to be talking about. I feel like, Sam, you and I are going to be talking like firsthand experience, but like kind of secondhand knowledge Mm. as like we're kind of just like kind of going down this road. If like we talk into like, yeah, this is kind of how we structure our business. I'm experiencing this unfold before me, but financial professionals have told me that we should expect X, Y, or Z to come out of this result as opposed to going this result. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why it's like I'd like to eventually get to a point where um, we do bring someone who like does this for a living on and is like, hey, this is how you build a like wealth generating mechanism out of your uh, studio that you're treating as a hobby right now, but you want to turn it into a business. I mean, that's I the eventual goal feel of like- the money episodes. Can I get like some people who think that like, you know, like the words wealth generating mechanism might sound a little bit attractive <laughs> and it not be like through like shady e-courses or like, hey, buy my plugin. Let me scare you into buying my plugin. I think that'd be kind of cool. So, yeah. I don't think a lot of people do that. So. <laughs> anyway, Sam. Matt. We... Should probably do some housekeeping. Housekeeping. Put on the, the sequin jacket. Da-da-da-da. Turn the Ferris wheel on. Ooh. Get out the poodle. <laughs> Friends, today you have the chance, the opportunity that is quickly going away to like and subscribe our subscribe to our show. You also, <laughs> if you really feel generous, if you really want to help us out, which I know most of you don't want to help us out. Da- but for the few that really care about our show, why don't you go ahead and just share it with someone? Share it on Instagram, share it online, share it with a friend, and uh, that'd really help us out. Oh, and, passive uh, aggressive there. You know, I thought I would try a new technique because nothing is working. Like reverse psychology? Yeah. You try bullying some people you know, around. A little bully housekeeping seems to be uh, a new method here I'm trying out. Is this going to be like a jailhouse intro? Maybe. maybe be this week on lockup. <laughs> on housekeeping. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, thus far, I don't think any of our housekeeping has worked. <laughs> so, I've gotten like one or two. Trying out a new tactic, yes. the one. The, it's not true. There's a couple people who have really helped us out and we gave them each a million dollars so money we're out of money Damn, now we're so nice Not you know there. we're talking about money today but you've missed out on the million dollar you know bribe essentially to, to subscribe so 
Now you'll just do it out of the love of the show. Yeah. For the love of the show, I can share make it. You love me. <laughs> and uh, I think that is a great place to end now that I feel like I butchered that one, but we'll let it roll. <laughs> do uh, Should we just bypass offering our mastering services? Yeah, let's not. <laughs> we don't master this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taking the week off. At the beach. At the beach. And uh, don't hire us this week. There you go. All right, lock lock up is done. Okay, lock up. <laughs> that was probably the worst housekeeping we've done so far. I mean, I kind of like threw one into the ground pretty hard a few weeks ago. So, you know, this definitely not the worst of it. This is just real life. If you're still listening, Matt and I just you, this is who we are. So that's what came out today for housekeeping. There you go. In all honesty, it normally sounds better with music behind it. Yeah. I found that I could tear it, like tear up the housekeeping part pretty bad. It, but the music kind of keeps it lively, keeps it going on. Yes. So you got a thing going on there. If I offended anyone, I'm truly sorry. I didn't mean to. Didn't mean really to ruffle any feathers. I just thought I'd try a new technique that I saw from some e-guru. But... <laughs> you, read a, you read an e-book. I read an e-book earlier today. And... 20 pages to a meaner you. There it was. <laughs> Had to pay a dollar for it. Yeah. Give me your email too. That's Feel it. a little violated after that. That's how you make money. That's it, man. 2021. 2021. Anywho. <laughs> so let's talk about the most awkward part of business. Do I'm it. trying to think of a more awkward part. Like, is there? Is this really the most awkward part? Probably doing house, housekeeping. <laughs> This doing the housekeeping for the podcast might be the most awkward, the awkward part of business. Number two, yeah. though, is definitely money. Number two is definitely money. So let's talk about how to make money less awkward. Mm. How? So, so when when a client comes to you, yes, for mastering, I was going to say to request your services for mastering, yes. How how do you normally go about the money conversation and how does that conversation typically like progress so that it's not an awkward kind of a thing? Yeah. It's a great question. There's a lot and of ways. And what awkwardness uh, like have you seen out of it? And then like was was there like no like is there like any like curb to like cuz right. people like like okay, here here's a primer to money. Money and people like that whole like Venn diagram, like mesh, whatever it is, like it sucks and it doesn't really go well together. Right. And so I've found it best just to get it out like up front. And it's like, let's have this conversation so we can be people. Right. So what have you seen through like your whole, sorry, I burped, <laughs> like, a, like a gambit of, I burped again. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. This, this water, man. Um, <clears throat> That helps to curb the awkwardness of the money talk. Well, I mean, the first thing with with money is people usually fill out my book a session form where they put down their budget. And then I look at that budget and then I give them my rates, basically, which normally it's independent, non-major releases is 150 a track. Includes an instrumental and any revisions if needed, which normally there's not. And then if it's a major release, it's usually 250 And that's because we have to do more formats usually, and it takes more time. 
So I will normally look at their budget, and if it's more than what I charge, I tell them, great, you have enough budget, and this is what I charge, and I always say, take the extra money and use it for ads or marketing or promotion or celebration of your album being done. And then, you know, so you can make more money and celebrate it, and then come back to me and make another record. If it's below it, I usually start the conversation with saying, is there any room in the budget to come up to my normal rate? And nine times out of ten, most people say yes. Um, you know, and a lot of people I've found with regards to money at this stage are just unaware of what things cost in general. So I get a lot of people who are super nice most of the time and say, like, here's what I budgeted, but let me know what your rate is. We'd be happy to pay it most likely. So, you know, for most people at this stage, now I know I'm like, 10 years into doing this or so and like have established myself so it wasn't always this way but at this stage the money conversation is pretty straightforward if they have no room um, to come up to my normal rate then I have to decide if I want to essentially invest into them by taking a lesser rate and doing the project or there's lots of times where I just say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or the other thing I usually tell them, which has honestly probably been more effective, is I just say, do you have any time to save up more money? And most people have never thought about saving a bit longer because they've created kind of these fake anchor deadlines in their head where it's like, we want the album done in two weeks, and so we've got X amount of money, and that's less than what you charge, and so can you meet us there? And it's one of those things where I just say, like, do you have time to save up? And, like, you know, what's the rush on getting the album out? And for most people, there is no rush ever to get the album out uh, outside of just excitement or feeling like we just want to be done. But I usually just explain to people, if you want the best in product and you, like, you came to me because of the discography I have or the bands I've worked with and you want that similar sound and approach and experience... Um, you know, I just say it's worth saving up, you know, because usually most people are not that far away from um, from the amount they need at the mastering stage. Now, if we're talking about like a recording a full length, you mm -hmm. know, it's probably a lot more money in general. But I've always thought that the mastering stage is honestly kind of like the easiest point of entry because at that stage the client has usually spent so much more in comparison per song in theory compared to the mastering stage so where you might spend like a couple thousand dollars on engineering and producing or you know a thousand bucks to engineer a thousand bucks to a producer you know a thousand bucks for a mixer and then you come to me and it's like 150 to 250 a song that feels very uh, cheap <laughs> in theory um, compared to just spending two to three thousand dollars on a song, and then for me to basically call the record done or make changes to it, you know, you only have to pay me 150 to 250. Which, even saying that out loud now, I'm like, yeah, I'm a freaking good deal, <laughs> like mm -hmm. <laughs> compared to other people. Now, I know it doesn't always take as much time, but you're not paying anyone based on their time, <clears throat> you're, you're paying them based on their experience, um, and their abilities and skill level, basically. So, you know, I tell people, can you save up? You know, can you can you take a month and push the release date? And a lot of the times people say, yeah, you know, I really do want it to sound the best it can. And instead of, you know, taking two-thirds of the money and going to someone else who I don't really 
trust or like their discography in theory, they're willing to save up. So they come back, you know, a few weeks later, or sometimes, you know, they come back like the next day and they were just like, you know what, we have the money, let's do it. Or they put it on a credit card or something. And I've never had anyone like find that to be a bad thing to do to like save up or aka like sacrifice to uh, invest into yourself because that's really what you're doing. Like you're investing into your product. So you have a better product that you're proud of so that you could then sell it and make way more money than you paid anyone, you know, to create it long term. So that's kind of the initial like how I do money. You know, people, when people agree to work with me, they get an invoice. I usually require payment up front, which a lot of people are like, no, I could never do that. You know, people always want to pay me on the back end or do half now, half later. And that always makes me just kind of say, well, they clearly just trust or like they don't trust you yet. Like they genuinely believe that you're not going to execute uh, as well as, you know, you say you will. So they're, you know, not wanting to pay you yet. So at that stage, I usually, if a client's like, I want to pay you at the end, I usually just say, well, I require payment up front. Are there any questions or, you know, concerns you have about going to the project? And nine times out of 10, once again, they say like, actually, no, I can pay you up front. And then that's it. Like you, when you're in a self-employed position, you have the power to keep the power and also make the rules for your company. And I've watched, you know, when I first started out, I didn't have, I'll say the balls to do that, but I wish I would have early on because I got taken advantage of so many different times and lowballed for lots of effort and services that I gave people and could have made, it's not about making a lot more money, it's about creating a business that's sustainable. I could have done that sooner um, than I did, but I was unwilling to trust that what I offered had value. So I would constantly just cave and be like, sure, I'll take whatever, basically. And when you just take whatever you're given, you're pretty much never going to, probably get to where you want to go because to get to where you want to go requires a plan. Usually that requires uh, X amount of resources. And so then you have to figure out a way to hit those those markers, those returns, that money to get to where you want to go. But if you have an approach of, I'll just take whatever I can get, then you can expect to end up 10 years later in some random, I'll take what I can get type of situation, <laughs> most likely. Um, and so... That's kind of how I approach the, you know, the money and most people just they just pay me like it's you get to choose, like you always get to choose. And if a client's like, "No, I don't want to pay you up front." And they make a big deal about it, you know, during my transition <laughs> to like taking payment up front basically before the work is sent, um you know, it's that's a client I don't really probably want to work with. Um, at it's the end of the day. probably a red flag, too. Yeah, it's a red Just flag. Just like immediately. It's like, right. yeah, I'm good. So, you know, there's clients I have now, you know, labels, they're always behind um, in general, but labels, in my experience, labels have always paid me. Now, they may pay me a month later, usually anywhere from three to four weeks after the project's done, but I know the PO has already been approved, meaning... They have already approved the budget. I know it's there for me to get paid. They just have a system. And so when I turn in the work and with the invoice goes to accounting or whoever's in charge at the labels, you know, whoever's the contact for me, 
I know they're going to process that invoice. And now almost every label I work with does direct deposit, which is great. So I get a notification of when it's, you know, being processed and when it's being deposited. So that's become really easy and nice. Um, But yeah, that's kind of my my opening remarks of how I deal with it. I deal with it in a very, I'll say, adult manner of like, this costs money because it does. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's as simple as that. It's like you go to a restaurant and you have to pay for your food. You go to a store, you have to pay for the clothing. You go to a movie, you have to pay for that. You go to a concert, you have to pay for the ticket. And people usually don't go to those things going, I would like to pay 25% less. Can you do that? But when it comes to like creative services, for some reason, people go to the go with the approach of like, I think I should just pay whatever I want and you should be okay with that. And that's something I, I don't agree with. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just the way I run things. It seems to work really well. Um, financially, it's been, it's been way more consistent and stable. And it also attracts clients that I think are, I'll say more, um, more willing to invest in themselves and value having a great end product. Um, I want to say that lightly because some people just don't have the budget and it doesn't mean they're not invested, but it could just be a timing thing of you may not need my services, which is also a conversation within money sometimes where I'll tell people you may not need to work with me right now, um, which we've kind of talked about that mindset before. So that's my initial thoughts and monologue, Matt. That was one heck of a monologue. Woohoo! Filling <laughs> up the tape, you know? <laughs> We should do an episode to tape. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, like my takeaway from that is that um, probably the most important thing you can do up front is really like set your boundaries. Absolutely. With a client. And so it's like whether it's with like, <clears throat> whether you're like a producer, mix engineer, whatever, mastering engineer, and you have like a client that's like super pushy and like, you haven't even gotten their stuff yet and they're pushing for like, hey, can we have this by this? It's like, well, I don't even have your mixes yet. And so it's like, you kind of like, like red flags get thrown pretty darn quick and uh, you should go look up the, uh, <laughs> there's an SNL skit about a perfume called Red Flag <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, she's funny, but not in a ha-ha kind of a way. More like, Yikes. And that's like, red flag. It's pretty funny. Y'all should go look that up. Um, Yeah, you normally, like, if a client is straight up knitting you a scarf out of all the red flags, like, that they're giving you, then you should probably just, like, nix that client and be like, ah, I don't think this is going to be a good fit. Um, Nothing business, it's just personal, you know, (laughs) that that whole kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, setting setting boundaries up front, and if... Like one of those boundaries is definitely money and finances. And I feel like as soon as I put a budget line on my onboarding form that everybody has to sign, when you click submit, it triggers my schedule and then we can then set up a session date for you. And so that's kind of like how everything falls in line. Like the, the mixes are submitted there. Like any expectation you might have, like every single thing that it would take for me to master your record and not know you, which is a lot of well, a lot of the 
times. Um, I don't really know who I'm working with. Like I know I know who they are, but it's like I'm not like friends with them, and I might not follow them. And it's like I might like through the day like listen to some of their stuff to be like, do they want more of this? Do they want they want a little less of this? Depending on their expectations. Um, if they're complaining about their previous mastering engineer on their last album, let's go listen to that album and make sure that that we're not doing that. And then you have budget. And then I say, please make a point to budget for one twenty-five per song. And um, rare, like the only times I really get pushback is if somebody knows my old rate. If I just raised my rate, which I have within the last six months, which when this airs, yeah, it'll still be within that window. And so it's like, I'll still have a little bit of that. Um, And I don't mind having a conversation here or there. And if it's a project I really want to work on, um, I don't mind um, doing my old rate from time to time. But it's got to be the right fit. It can't be like I'm having to go over my shoulder to scratch my butt to make this like record work at my old rate. So that, that definitely can't be a thing. It's like, Let's see, but yeah, once once I put that on there, it all pretty much cleared up. Um, so you, one thing, and I always say this, like when we're about to get into something like this, one thing that I really like about this podcast is there's no like definite that this is the way to do it, right? So in like a part that I disagree, not necessarily like morally or anything, just like how I work as a human, like I can't take money up front. I don't know what it is. It even like, so like from when I was like nine to when I was 18, I had a business that I would go and like cut people's grass. And this bit, like, this wasn't like, like a little thing, like you push the mower up some person, like up the street. This was like between like 13 and 17 lawns a weekend. Like I was raking it in as a kid and it's like, but I had absolutely no friends and then I went over to the airport and I go learn how to fly. I thought that was kind of, like a fun little thing to do. Well, <clears throat> if if I had somebody pay me then, like when I was like a kid, like a like a preteen teenager, if I had somebody going out of town and be like, hey, yeah, can I pay you? Like just leave this in your mailbox. And I'd be like, I wouldn't turn down the cash. Someone's trying to get you, give you money, then yes, by all means, take that money. Um, and I have another story about somebody not doing that. Um I, for some reason, would never do as good of a job on their lawn that week. And I don't know why. It's like I wasn't having to earn that dollar. And for me, mentally, it's like it's got to be like I got to do the job and then I invoice and then you pay me. And there's nothing quality-wise that gets sacrificed when, like, this happens. But, like, mentally, there's, like, a disconnect of, like, like I now have to like deliver this because I've already been paid on it. If like I'm paid up front, like there was, <clears throat> there was a record I was finishing last night and you can just do like DDP and all that goodness like on a laptop. And so I do that at home to kind of spare my mornings. And um, so I was doing that. It was 12 songs for a really good friend. Everyone agrees. Record sounds awesome. I think the record sounds awesome. No corners were cut. Like the record was $935. That was the invoice. And... It was paid like the day the mixes came in is when I got paid, which I think it would be fun to be like, yeah, I'm not going to book your session until I have your money. That makes sense. But for some reason, 
it's just like there's like a disconnect with me that I hate having somebody's money and like the possibility looming over my head of me screwing up their record and them wanting their money back. And then me having to like put that in like a mental escrow account <laughs> that like I can't touch this money until they're like this is approved or I have to return this money. I've never had to return money ever. But there's like this crap like looming over my head, like from all the way back when I was a kid. And so touching back on the story real quick of uh, if somebody is giving you money, by all means, take it because it's not every day that somebody's trying to hand you money. So for instance, in my cigar store, I used to have this incredibly expensive humidor. It was like a $1,500 humidor, but it came fully stocked. And so... It kind of worked out to be a pretty solid deal. Well, somebody came in offering, it was like, I don't know, like everyone in where that cigar store was tried to negotiate. And they said, yeah, I'll do like 1400 bucks. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll take 100 bucks off to get rid of this thing that's been sitting here for however long. And they're like, can I give you half now? I'll bring the, back, the other half back later. The guy at the counter said no. And I was like, "You, bro, you turned down $700. And then it's like the guy would be guaranteed to come back. And he's like, no, 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 you can pay it all up front. Well, guess what? The guy never came back for it. It took me another year to get it off the shelf. So with that lesson, if somebody's offering you money, you better take it up front. However, the way that I operate is that I would like to master your record. I perform this service of mastering. You approve it. You're super happy with it. I invoice you. You're so happy at how your with how your masters sound that you have absolutely no qualms in paying me. And so that's generally how it goes down. And it's kind of very rare when I have to chase down money. And it's never like, like you said, labels always pay. The budget's approved. It's like if anything's going on, like they're on a bi-weekly check writing program. And granted, yeah, it's all direct deposit now. But it's like they're only writing checks, like probably through their payroll software. Because if it's going to go direct deposit, they're going to have to have a portal to do that with. And it's probably just through paychecks or ADP or something. They write the check and then like via there, it it ends up in the other thing. Well, if you're doing it on an off week, you could be three weeks backed up or just however they're, they pay all their stuff. So they're not screwing stuff around. The same with like, say like if you do something for a church, it's equally going to take just as long, but you'll actually probably get a physical check at that point unless you do a lot of work for them. And so... Um, those are kind of like the two slowest payers, but it's like churches have money and labels have money, so you're never you're you're never really going to be chasing down cash. You might send a reminder if like something's like three or four weeks out, but I have like an auto reminder on all of my invoices to go out like, hey, just yeah, at three weeks if someone hasn't paid their bill and I forgot about it, send out an email to them. Um, in QuickBooks, the software that I have just has auto reminders that you can send out. So anywho, I've rambled for long enough. Um, let's see, where do I want to go? Do you, do you want to go anywhere specific? If not, I have like two pages of notes. I'm just kind of need to read it. Um, no, nowhere specific, but what's on your notes? Let's see. Got that. All boundaries up front. Um, you said something... Got payment after. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> Something about money. 
And so this is like kind of like how, like like kind of back to the whole red flag thing. And I say this, and I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I haven't really seen an instance where this is not correct. Is that like with money, I've seen that like generally like a good red flag for me is how somebody manages resources in general. So if somebody comes to you and like, I get it, like mastering, like like you're going to get the client who's out of time and out of money. That's like generally kind of at this process. If like they're by themselves, if they're um, uh, kind of like taking like a, a less, like they're kind of taking like a cheap route or something like that. But it's like, you generally know if someone's like pretty panicked, they want to see how fast you can get it in, needed to be out yesterday, stuff like that. Um, just like a little like mental like tick and like red flag is that like, if someone can't manage their time like that, then they probably can't manage their money because resources are generally like correlative. And so... um they're kind of one and the same, even though like money and time are kind of different. They're kind of not different because it's like you, that's what a job is, is that you're trading your time for money. And so it's like a direct transaction. And then like, as you get older, like at least with me, I would like to make more money because my time is more precious. Not like, I don't know, not like, oh, me kind of being like, like a jerk about it, but it's like, I like, what's it going to take for me to like not have breakfast with my kids and like come in and master records? Not saying I don't love doing that, but it's like, there kind of is like a price there of like, I would love to have breakfast with my kids, but I like mastering records a lot. And so it's like, if you're like doing that, like 50 bucks a song, that to me is not worth it unless it's like the record is just like insane. And there's like absolutely no budget left. Um, but it's like, if you want to know like why I raise my rates uh, every now and then, it's like there's that mental conversation that has to happen of like, okay, if I'm going to go in at 5.30 or 6 in the morning or something like that, and because I'm working two jobs, I, I say it every few episodes. I don't know if a lot of people know that. I have another business that I do 9 to 5, and then um, I call the mastering thing my my five to nine, and then I have my nine to five, and then I have the mastering again at like four thirty or five to like six six fifteen. Then I go home and I be a dad, so it's a, it works out to about a thirteen hour day. So I kind of got to like time to me is is definitely an asset, and so I mean you just kind of have to weigh that. But if you find somebody who can't manage their time and is rushing you around and screwing you around on your budget kind of thing, if you if people can't manage their time, they probably also um, can't manage their money. So do uh, you have anything to say in response to that, Samuel? Um, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I agree. Can't manage your time, can't manage your money. I mean, that's... I've found that to be true. I think, I think, um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> um, so, like, as far as like, okay, so you, you've got like kind of like the money thing already worked out and stuff like that. Right. And this isn't necessarily an episode for somebody who's like, um, let's just say like super established, but like if you're kind of getting into it or if you're like you're going to kind of make a little bit of like a switch, you're kind of like open to like different ideas. 
Um, I kind of want to talk about like how you're like keeping track of your money, how you're managing it, like once it's in your business. Um, and it's like me personally, I use, and it's like not everyone can afford like a paid subscription. I use QuickBooks Online. It's what I use for my other business. Mm-hmm. And if you want, it's like you don't have to use PayPal or Venmo. Um, if you're just using PayPal, so like if you're doing, if you're international, like I see there's like a lot of people from other countries that listen to here, like Australia, and there's like a handful from Hong Kong, which shout out to Hong Kong. Thanks for listening. Um, it's like under the United States, it's the US and then Hong Kong. And it's like 20% of the listeners are, Hong, are from Hong Kong. I'm like, holy crap. Um, so it's like if you're doing a lot of international stuff like Venmo and Cash App and uh, PayPal, like friends and family, like the whole gifts thing, it's not really going to work for you. Um, it's not really... I don't think it's like super secure to do that. And even like if you get like an international check or something like that, you typically have to take that to a branch. You can't just put it to like a mobile check scanner. Um, so it's like that's where something where like say like QuickBooks Online is cool because you can also do um, like you can send out an invoice to somebody if like you're using this type of a software. You can send out an invoice to somebody and you can do, um, you can collect like credit cards and stuff like that, debit cards or whatever. Um, They also have like ACH payments and I think it's like only 1%. I think they just started charging for that. Um, I know this is kind of like, once again, it's kind of like a weird, kind of a dull topic, but it's like you kind of got like, if you're talking about like, if you can't manage your time, manage your money, it's like, well, let me tell you how to manage your money. And so... I use QuickBooks. I like it a lot. But you used to use a free one, Sam. Well, I use, for my invoicing, it's not free. It's paid. It's, you used to, though, right? No. Okay, I thought at one point you did. No, I use, well, my accountant use, uses QuickBooks, but I don't enjoy the uh, QuickBooks invoicing. So I use Paydirt, is what it's called, and it's subscription-based. And with Paydirt, Basically, you can use just about anything you want. It has Stripe on it built in and PayPal built in, which Stripe can do international, um, you know, without any, there's no issues with that. You just type in the amount and they pay it with their card. Um, And then on there, it's listed too. There's Venmo, Cash App. You know, if you're sending a check, you have to notify me. And then if you want to do ACH, direct deposit, um, then that's a follow-up email where I usually have to fill out a bank routing form and everything. So um, I'll take money however people want to pay it. I found that is really easy um, to allow people to have payment options, allows them to pay up front really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I use. Um, I mean, the money comes in, gets dumped into the business account, then from the business account with my business entity, which is a S-corp, so a corporation structure, I get paid every week on payroll, like an actual paycheck, and then I get my distributions on top of that. Like, uh, you know, like think of it as like a bonus. But that's part of a, a business tax structuring um, for the business. And uh, I use a spreadsheet as well to monitor everything that comes in and out um, next to QuickBooks. I just enjoy having like kind of two sets of 
checks and balances in place. I was, I mean, before this episode, Matt and I were talking, I adore my CPA that I've had, which this is the fourth one in 10 years. So don't mm-hmm. be surprised if you have to go through a bunch of CPAs who don't actually do anything for you. But the one I have currently, the last couple of years, has been an absolute joy to work with. Um, and so, you know, he reconciles the books every month and, um, you know, I compare it to what I have and we have a 30-minute conversation and make sure everything's good to go on that. But I would encourage, I mean, my viewpoint on money at this stage is like, even if you're just starting your your audio business, I would 100% set up um, a, a flow, a workflow, a system. Even if you're not making very much money yet, you need to have invoices. You, I would recommend getting a CPA from the start to do your taxes I would set up everything that a legit business has with the intention of becoming a profiting, legitimate business. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, you basically manifest whatever you want in life. And not by that, I mean, you just basically, if you make a plan, and it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier, like if you make a plan that I'm going to be a master engineer and I need to make $100,000 a year, or that's what I'd like to then do X, Y, and Z with this money, and that allows me to have time to then hang out with my wife or do this. Uh, you're going to have to have a lot of things in place for to make a hundred thousand um, dollars, and then you'll have to figure out is that actually a hundred thousand gross or net, and what that looks like. So that's where a CPA comes in to help you with expenses and tax structuring, or a tax attorney will help more with that. So there's just lots of things that um, that go together with money. And I think people are quite poor with money because they are not educated in money because we're not taught a lot about money. Um, And so I spend a lot of time educating myself on money and becoming financially literate. It's very easy to actually do that. We have the internet. There are thousands of books from people that um, have successful businesses, um, You know, people that have lots of wealth and money. And a lot of them tell you exactly how they do it and their blueprint on how they do it and how they structure things. So you really like, you can learn how to do all this really well. And I would encourage everyone to do it sooner than later. You don't want to be playing catch up on a big year and then you get a massive tax bill because you realize, oh crap, I wasn't taking out enough because I actually ended up making 40 grand more this year. So that means my tax bracket just went up and now you owe 20,000 extra dollars. Like, it's basically a true story. <laughs> like, I did that starting out. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. It's not fun. It makes you feel like the big year actually sucked because you basically get hit with a big tax bill, which of course means you made a lot more money. But if you haven't planned for it and you were basically unaware of how taxes kind of work and tax brackets or business structuring, then you know, it can be, it can make you feel really defeated at the end of the year of like being like, oh, this is my best year ever, but I actually still owe $20,000. So you don't want to do that. Like, and you don't have to do that. You can educate yourself and set things up in place um, to prepare yourself for the growth that you will have. So once I started taking my, I'll say money seriously and basically putting the things in place that businesses do um, to operate legitimately and to have like correct paper trail and you know all that stuff the 
the growth started to happen for me as well. Um, and so I think that's when I talk to a lot of people about money or their business, and that's usually the number one thing people say, like, I want more clients. And what they really mean is I want more money. Um, you know, they usually have nothing in place. Uh, they don't have a system. They don't have an invoicing program. They don't have a CPA. They don't know anything about taxes. They don't have a business even registered. Um, and so it's really hard. You know, you just have to think from then a client perspective. Someone's If someone wants to hire you and you don't have anything in place that a normal business, any other business, like Business 101 would have set up, if you were to like open up a t-shirt store or like a brick and mortar, there's so many things you just have to have in place just to operate. And once again, when it comes to like the creative fields, creatives are just like, nah, I don't think that applies to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like most self-employed creatives fail literally because they have nothing in place that a regular business has um, to operate and function. So from a client perspective, if a client's coming to you and you have no system, if you have no like, here's, you know, when I talk to people, I say, you know, invoice will be sent to you, you know, as soon as I get final mixes, you know, usually in the book of session, they've already dropped final mixes. So I say invoice coming to you, you know, you can pay it any questions, let me know, you know, and it's easy. Like a lot of people say my working with me, they work with me because it's an easy experience. I do things that they don't know how to do. And then I also make it really easy to pay, to get their files, to dump their files, you know, and that's kind of it. Like the more you can have in place as far as systems, in my opinion, that creates consistency. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, that professionals are consistent and amateurs are inconsistent. That is probably the number one thing I can see over the last 10 years, those that are consistent. And that means consistent in your product, in your flow, in the way you communicate, the way you onboard people, the way you off offboard them. <laughs> is that a thing? Offboard. The way you wrap projects. The more consistency you can have, then you can usually produce more consistent results. Then when those clients go and refer someone else and they may talk to their those people of like, Sam does this and that. It's so easy to do this, this. That client comes to you, they're expecting the same experience. If you start talking to them like, oh, actually you can send the file here and oh, just dump it in my Instagram and do this and that. Then they start to go, well, this feels like a different experience than what my friend had or the label had. So this is my getting the same product. So consistency and cohesiveness is really important, um, not just in the service you're providing, but also in the way you handle money, talk about money, deal with money, invoice money. You know, it's it's very important. And a lot of people will not um, spend any time thinking about money. Um, and so most of those people then will never have money. And that's just kind of how it works. Like, I didn't have money for a long time, and now I have money. And there's a direct correlation of me educating myself on business and money um, and a growth that happened year over year. And the more I educate myself on how business works and taxes and money and invoicing and you know payments and how to make things easier for people, the more money I make. And that's nice. Like <laughs> that's that then does create the freedom for me. Like I don't have kids yet, but I like to have breakfast with my wife every morning, and like it allows us to do that. And there are certain other things we do in our lives that having money is nice and allows us to have that. So that's kind of, you know, those are my thoughts on 
on more on money, I guess, you know, and I wish people were more serious about it because most people can make, I believe just about anybody can make as much money as they want. Um, I truly believe that if you're willing to educate yourself and learn about how do people make money. There's also two, like, a, there's got to be a reality check within your industry and current position and market of what is your potential for money. So sometimes I work with artists and whatnot who are like, oh, I want to make millions of dollars or like I just want to, you know, ball out and buy a house in Malibu or like do these things. Like, and it's kind of like, well, if you just want money, like there's so many other industries where you can make good money without doing music. Like music has a limit to it. There are a lot of other industries, tech, real estate, there's so many other industries that outperform music every year. And so you have to think about what you're getting into is an industry that does make a lot of money. And I do believe there's, in theory, plenty of money in the music industry. But you've got to understand that every industry you get into has its limits. And that's where I think, you know, for me, I take my money and I encourage everybody else like to dump it into assets that make more money. So stocks, mutual funds, crypto, if you feel competent in that, real estate uh, is probably my favorite uh, way to do it. And so I take my music money and I dump it into other industries that then can generate more money. Um, and that's just good business. So that is, I think, all I have to say on the monies. The monies. The monies. Um. I would say if it's, this is like totally the the episode of monologues, <laughs> it's like good to brick, have one. No brick, brick, no brick. <laughs> now I, I'm I'm keeping an eye on the time, and uh, we can keep going if I you got not, more. I will not make another whole brick. <laughs> um, no promises. So uh, I I think that I think that all I want to say is like just like a really big takeaway is like. Like good baby steps if you're kind of just doing this as like you're kind of working out of your own bank account and it's kind of like a little hobby studio or maybe it's not a hobby studio, but you kind of need to get like a little bit, um, I don't know, buckled up a little bit better. And I don't know how this works outside of the United States. So outside of the U.S., please do not listen to me. <laughs> but... um in the United States, you could pretty much in any state type in your state's like initials and then SOS.gov. So it's like South Carolina SC SOS Secretary of State.gov or just type in South Carolina Secretary of State to Google for me or if you're in South Carolina and you essentially register your business with the Secretary of State. That will give you, I think it's a few bucks. It's not a lot of money. Um, you, uh, in turn, will get something called an EIN, which is an employer identification number, which then you take and you go to uh, your state's website. It may, for some of y'all, still be on the Secretary, Secretary of State website. You then go and you find the Articles of Organization, sometimes also called the Articles of Incorporation, and you fill those out, and you really don't want... I don't think I can say this enough... Um, you don't want to be a sole proprietorship. 
You don't want to be a DBA, a doing business as, like John Doe doing business as John Doe's mastering service. You don't want to do that. You At, at the bare minimum, you need to have like $110. I think that's what it costs for most people. And I mean, every state's probably going to be different. South Carolina, it's $110. And you send $110 off to... Um, the state, along with your filled out articles of organization, and fill it out so that you will be an LLC, which is LLC stands for a limited liability corporation. What an LLC does is it separates John Doe's um, assets personally from John Doe mastering services assets. So if John Doe gets sued, that person can't come after John Doe mastering and vice versa. If the mastering business gets sued, you can't, like, they can't also go after your personal assets. So there's, there's, you need to, to talk with an accountant or a CPA, and accountants and CPAs are different, um, about the proper way to keep all of that stuff separated. Um, but when people get into business, that's like what I tell them to do at the bare minimum. To do that and then to, um, you get a CPA or an accountant, whatever you want, and then you get a an, an attorney. And you just kind of like check in with them every now and then. You pay them like $20 for 20 minutes or something like that. I don't know. It's probably a lot more than that. Um, and uh, it's good just to have that. And I've been in business, like I guess since, I guess I said in the beginning of this episode, since I was like nine years old. And it's really good just to have a lawyer and to have an accountant. People that you can trust, and you'll go through a few of them. I'm not going to tell you why it's good to have both of them, but let me just say, take it from me, wink, it's a good damn idea to have both. Um, and just to kind of have a relationship with with them. Um, so uh, at the bare minimum, make that LLC. Sam is an S-Corp, and to this day, I don't know how his accountant pulled that type of uh, mumbo jumbo. It still kind of blows my mind. My other business is filed as an S corp, and we had to go through a lot of hoops to do it. And Sam's accountant's like, "Yeah, sure, let's just do this." So if you can do that, it's nice because you can avoid some self employment tax. And there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of pros that outweigh the cons um, with having an S corp. And with an LLC, you're going to be paying self employment tax. With an S corp, you're not going to be. However, with an S corp comes payroll taxes and all this other stuff. But with an LLC. You can just do, it's called like an owner distribution. And it's, you can essentially pay yourself via that. Me personally, because I have two jobs, I don't take any money from the mastering business and I just reinvest the mastering business into the mastering business so that I can essentially buy gear, so that I can improve, um, so I can turn in essentially a better master every single time and just uh, kind of like, okay, yeah, if we need to upgrade all the cabling, we need to do whatever, like that cash is kind of set aside so you can do that. Um, I'll say always have like a plan for your money. Never be like, oh, what the hell do I do with this thing? It's burning the hole in my pocket. Don't be that guy uh, or girl. Always have a always have a plan for your money. Always go into the next year with a business plan of like, this is what I am hoping this happens and review that business plan and you can decide whether or not to stay on that business plan. 2020 was a year where you took your 20... 19 business plan for 2020 and you literally just put it in the paper shredder and you cried 
<laughs> and you just kind of was like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And I had a pretty good 2020. I know Sam had a pretty good 2020. And it's uh, it's like, you know, sometimes you make it. And then, you know, if you're not established enough when that type of junk happens, then um, you may have to pivot. You may have to take up a second or whatever, however many jobs to kind of make the studio thing worth it. Um, so, but anyway, as far as money goes, um, do yourself a favor, LLC, uh, register everything with the state, make sure that that accountant is keeping you up to date with all of your books, and then you're doing like anything you need to do legally. Um, something security-minded as well. A lot of people probably don't know this, um, but you can change... I'm trying to remember the name of this. This is like so far into the podcast, people are tuning out. You can also <laughs> like change the address. So like if you look up uh, Joe Blow Mastering on the Secretary of State website, you can see which address it's registered to. And uh, like at times, if I wanted to send a Christmas card to a studio that I did work with and I couldn't find out where their address was and they weren't getting back to me, I just look on their Secretary of State website and I would just send a thing there because that's where they're getting all their that's where they're getting all their mail for the business anyway. And uh, but you can change that address like via like attorney. You can also like you can do it through the Secretary of State website, I believe. But like your attorney can just switch it to their office, which um, which I do because if you have like forty thousand dollars a gear, sixty thousand dollars a gear, you probably don't want that address easily searchable. And so you might be someone who likes to advertise you and your location and have the front of uh, like right, right on the highway kind of thing. It's like, that's fine and that that's you. But um, I'm pretty private with where my stuff is located and I don't give a lot of people my address. And so if that is also you, you can also hide all that registration information. Um, I can't remember what that name is, but I mean, if you just contact your secretary of state, they'd be able to help you. And I think there's like, Probably a minimal fee to do that. Nothing in government is free. Um, but that's kind of all the stuff that I pretty highly recommend to do. Also, you need to have that EIN and Articles of Organization to open a bank account in the name of the business. So um, I would highly recommend doing all of that. And then all that, you connect to QuickBooks and you do all that stuff. You make your plans and you do all that jazz. So, Sam, did I miss anything? No, I think this is plenty for people to digest. <laughs> so we talked about the money and how to get it, at least like we're assuming that you have clients, and we talked about how to get it and how to, at least how we like structure, how we like receive money. And then we told you kind of like what to do once you have it. And uh, like in your business framework, and then kind of and then taglining with like, this is how you like, I don't know, how your business should be kind of framed. If you can get an S Corp, good for you, but you'll have to do what is it? You'll have to do minutes, you'll have to do payroll, you'll have to do um, a reasonable salary via payroll. You can do owner distributions, you don't have to. Uh, what else am I missing, Sam? That's pretty much the main, the main. I'll say things that are the annoyances if you don't have a CPA trying to set that all up. If you're like a one or two person business, it's an annoyance, but it's like you're saving 15% on your taxes. Right. It's by doing that. If you can find yourself a good CPA and it'll take you a few to probably find one, it's 100% worth 
the CPA. I mean, the CPA I use, and now that we're structured as an S corp, I mean, they pay for themselves. So it's it's a wonderful thing, and it's a hundred percent legal, and lots of people do it. Um, yeah, I but, don't know if a lot of CPAs are just like too like. Oh no, they don't want to do it. But like, if you're in the middle of the year, you have to like physically petition the IRS. Yeah, I did. I to did swap it your books in the middle of the year. And yeah, we did too. So you just mark when you file. Then you have to file two different types. So one for the DBA and one for the S corp. So that year is a bit more money because you're filing two different filing types. Um, oh, we just asked them to backdate everything from the beginning of the year as under the S corp. Oh yeah, yeah. And we were allowed to do that. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of ways to do it. So I think that's all. Yeah, so kind of like a heady kind of an episode. Not really a sexy episode, but I mean, it could save you money, could save you time, could save you quite the headache. So but anyway, queuing up from the background of the podcast is a sweet beat curated by the one and only Sam Moses. Woo. Say like people cheering in the background. If you like this beat, head on over to BeesaBeats.com. You can buy one of his beats or you can just listen to all of them. They're kind of cool. You got like a little kid chilling out in a like red on red 96 Bulls jersey uh, as the background. I think it's just like a big SoundCloud thing that just like scrolls down the middle. Um, but it's pretty cool. I actually go there every few months just because I like to see what you've been doing. Um, let's see what else. If you need a mastering engineer... Sam can be found at, uh, as I say, for the Sam record, <laughs> <laughs> Moses Mastering and same Instagram handle. I can be found at for the record mastering, uh, dot com or the same Instagram handle. And uh, yeah, if you like what we said, if we didn't confuse anyone too much, please like, comment, subscribe. Most importantly, share with a friend. And uh, I think that's all I got. So morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. Cue the music. QA. See y'all. Throw some money. There should totally be a cash register like cha-ching. Cha-ching. Cha-ching.